This podcast is presented to you by Passion Church and their campus in Montgomery, Alabama. For more information, visit www.mypassion.church. Yesterday I was praying and I, it just came to me, you know how God just will bring things up out of your spirit and everything. You know, you remember Israel, uh, there was a time, you remember when they, uh, they were being intimidated by a giant called Goliath. Remember that? They were in warfare, but they never fought because they were intimidated and if you read about it, it says that, you know, they were in the caves and then they, you know, they'd come out, you know, at a certain time of day, Goliath would come out, you know, and he would accuse and yell and challenge and do all that kind of stuff, you know, and, and all the Israelites, you know, they were, you know, but what it took, it took someone coming from a different place and a different position that came into that situation that was not tainted by the attitude. David. He came in and he was not affected by that attitude at all. And he came in and he began to see things totally different. See, when you're intimidated, the giant looks as if he cannot be defeated. That's the position the enemy always wants to get you in, is to, to magnify your circumstances, whatever they may be, to magnify them to where they're so big that you begin to be intimidated and you're operating in fear instead of faith. And it takes something from the outside to come in and inject something in that situation, somebody with faith somebody who sees things the way they should be seen, according to what? What God says, here comes David in. He didn't bring a sword with him. He didn't bring another army with him. He didn't, he didn't I mean, far as we know, he didn't even have a pocket knife. <laughs> Nothing except what? Faith in God. And faith in God with what he already had, which was what? A sling. Was enough for God not only to give them the victory, but he gave a nation a breakthrough. Because after the victory over Goliath, all of a sudden a new spirit came on that army and they come rushing out of the caves and run the Philistines out of their country. Now, see, what God wants us to do is to allow a spirit, a new spirit of faith. If you've been in that situation where the enemy has just been telling you it's no good, you're not going to make it, it's all over, God's not going to come through, whatever it might be, this morning I want to declare to you that God is bigger, God has a plan for you, it's not defeat, it's not death, it's not lack, it is for you to fulfill God's purpose and plan for your life individually and for us corporately as a church. And I'm declaring today there's a new spirit 
of faith that's rising up in Passion Church. We're going to possess our land. We're going to go forward and not back. We're not going to have a pity party. We're not going to feel sorry for ourselves. We're going to be like David. We're going to rise up and say, is there not a God in the land? And his name is Jesus. All right. Well, let me get to my message. That's all extra right there. That's all free. We're talking about the operation of the kingdom of God. We've been doing a series on the kingdom of God. We talked about that the kingdom of God is where the rule and reign of God is taking place, either by His Spirit, by His working, uh, by His Word. Uh, turn over to Mark 4. We're gonna, we, you know, Jesus taught us to pray, Your kingdom come and Your will be done on the earth as it is in heaven. So Jesus evidently and God expects His kingdom to be active and to be seen and to be present in the earth. Otherwise, he wouldn't have told us to pray. I don't believe Jesus ever told us to pray for something that we couldn't have. Are you listening? That's not God's will. God's, you know, God's not like, you know, the, you, you've seen the picture of the guy that's got the donkey pulling the car, cart, and he's got the long stick out there with the carrot just out of reach. That donkey, that poor donkey, he keeps thinking, I'm going to get there. One of these days, I'm going to get there. That's not the way God does us. God wants you to have the carrot. He wants you to have the whole bag of carrots. And if you want some apples, he'll give you those too. God is out to use his people to, 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 ca to cause the demonstration of the reign of God's kingdom in the earth to be seen. And he said to pray for that. So we've entered the kingdom of God because what we're part of the church. So we need to gain an understanding about how the kingdom of God operates. How it's designed to work. So what? We can work with Him instead of against Him. Most of our problems are not because of the devil so much. It's because either we don't understand how the kingdom of God works so that we're working contrary to it, or we just, whatever reason, we get lazy and we don't do what we know to do. Can I hear a holy grunt? <laughs> So today we're going to look at how the kingdom of God is designed to operate. So understanding and embracing this is to live under the authority and the reign of God. And see, that's the place of victory. That's the place of peace. That's the place of love. That's the place of joy. We already talked about some of those things. If you weren't here, you can go on our website. You can listen to the podcast and catch up. Amen? So remember that the church, that's us. It's not a building. We're the church now. When we get the building God and the place God has for us, we're still going to be the church. We're not waiting. You know, a building doesn't make us the church. It's the Lord Jesus Christ, His grace that has saved us and redeemed us and brought us into the family of God. That makes us the church. <laughs> Amen. You know, the early church, they didn't even have a church building. It says they met from house to house. Are you listening? Because they understood, we're the church. You're the church. You're the dwelling place of God. God don't live here at AUM. <laughs> so, you found Mark 4. Now, we'll, I want to reference this. This is the, the parable of the sower. Because we need to understand, God, God's kingdom is operational, 
confrontational, and revelational. Now, we're going to talk about this more than that, but we're going to talk about those three things today. First, God's kingdom is operational in the church. Here, in this passage of Scripture, Mark 4, Jesus began to talk about the kingdom of God, and he says, this is what the kingdom of God is like. He said, it's like a sower who went out and began to sow his seed. He scattered the seed on the ground. And that seed, some fell out, fell on the path. Some fell on rocky soil. Some fell on soil where there was grass and, and, and thorns and different things. And then some fell on what? Rocky ground. And some fell on good ground. And he went on to explain, he said, the sower that sows, that is the Word of God. That's what's being sown is God's Word. That's what we give people. Listen, it's good. You share your testimony. You share that. But listen, interject some seed in that of the Word of God. I'm not talking about a dissertation, but you give them some seed. You plant that seed. He said, this is the way the kingdom of God is designed to operate. See, we want God to just, you know, we, we, we kind of want a Jack of the Beanstalk, you know, uh, episode with God. Remember Jack of the Beanstalk? You know, he's, he, he traded the cow for some magic beans. You know, you probably remember the story. You know, and he, he threw the, you know, he planted those seeds, and overnight, he goes out there, and there's like a, the, the sequoia of a beanstalk out there. I mean, that thing's going up, 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 up. That's what, that's how, that's what we want as Christians. We pray, oh, God, get, you know, I, I'm going to plant some seed, but I want it to grow up. I want it to ripen, and I want it to be ready to pluck and eat in the morning. <laughs> now, could God do that? Certainly he could do that. Has God ever done that? Certainly He has done that. We call that a miracle. But God's kingdom is not designed so that you live every day from miracle to miracle in that sense. Are you listening to me? But the kingdom of God is designed to work that we plant seed. He said the sower sows seed. You need to be sowing God's Word into your heart, into your mind, into your life Every single day. I'm sowing seed. I'm sowing seed. Because, see, here's the principle. The principle is this. It is the kingdom is progressive by creating movement and growth. See, the problem is if we stay in one place too long and we're not growing, we get stagnant. Are you listening? And so we need to continually be sowing seed in our life so that what? There can be growth and movement. Notice, here's what it goes. It's sowing, growing, cultivating, reaping. That's how the kingdom is designed to operate. And Jesus said, if you understand this, this parable that he gives illustrating the kingdom of God, he said, if you understand this, he said, then you can understand how the kingdom of God operates. See, too often we want God to do, you know, the magic beanstalk miracle. And we live our whole life that. And that's the reason some Christians are, uh, are, are frustrated and discouraged and disappointed. But if we understand how the kingdom operates, then we can work together with God. The Bible says this, do not, God is not mocked whatever a man or a woman, any person sows, that will they also reap. 
So if you're not reaping what you like, change what you're sowing. Change what you're growing. Isn't that right? Every gardener, every farmer, you know, is intentional. There's no such thing as an accidental farmer. I mean, you go by and you see some beautiful fields, whether they're corn or or cotton or soybean or whatever it might be. You see those beautiful fields out there. You ever ridden by in the countryside and you see those gorgeous fields and all? You don't think, wow, what a miracle. You see the farmer over there and you pull over there and you ask that farmer, how in the world did you, you do that? I don't know. I was, you know, I just rode by. I said, Lord, I sure would like a crop. And I rode by and here they were. No, listen, you want, you want to grow in faith. You want to grow in love. You want to grow in the things of God in your life. You want to have more peace, more joy. You want those. You've got to sow something. It's good to pray. Don't misunderstand me. But you've got to sow something. I found out prayer works a whole lot better over my garden when I planted something. So it's progressive. The kingdom of God is progressive by creating what? Movement and growth. And he gives us the different types of soil. That's why I put in here cultivating. Because, see, if we don't cultivate the soil of our heart, then we get very little reaping from the seed that is sown. It's not a matter that the seed's not good. It's a matter of what we need to deal with some things, he said, that can choke the Word. The cares of this life, fears, doubts, all those kind of things. Running after the things of this world. We already saw Jesus said that if you would seek first the kingdom, all this stuff will be added. I'm just going to let God do the add-ons. I'm going to run after the kingdom of God. And he said the way that works, listen, principally, don't misunderstand me. Does God do miracles? Absolutely he does. Surely he does. I mean, many of us can testify. But I'm talking about on a daily living basis in the kingdom, this is how it's designed to operate, is sowing, growing, cultivating, reaping. We take God's word, we sow it in us, and we what? We water it, we guard our hearts, and what? There's a harvest that comes forth. A harvest of righteousness, a harvest of peace, a harvest of love. You say, well, how did I get that harvest? Just like, a, just like a farmer. A farmer is intentional. He prepares the ground intentionally. And then he decides what he's going to sow intentionally. You know, even our, Cindy's got a little, little raised little family garden back there in our backyard. She loves to do that. And you know what? We, we got tomatoes out of it. We got cucumbers. We got squash. We got beans. You know why we got that? Because that's what she sowed. She determined beforehand, this is what I want my garden to produce. And so she got the seed, planted the seed, took care of it, prepared it and everything, and now we get to eat it. He said, this is the way the kingdom of God is designed to operate. So get that, get that settled. And and, and when we look at the parable here, Jesus talked about it. <clears throat> he said, let's skip down to verse 15. He said, some people like the seed along the path. The word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Listen, 
Farming is hard work. It is. If you, I mean, you know, if you do it right, <laughs> if you do it to get a heart, it's, you know, he, he said, it's not just a matter of you just, okay, we're going to throw some seed out here and we'll, we'll see what happens. We'll throw a bunch of stuff out here and we hope something comes up. He said, usually, he said, if that's your, that's the way you approach it, your, your, the kingdom of God, he said, then the, the Satan's going to come along and steal it right away. You've got to intentionally sow God's seed with the, with the, the, at the beginning with the intention of reaping a harvest. No farmer plants, goes to all that effort to get his soil ready, his, his field ready, to do all that work so that he, you know, will not get any harvest. He says, others, like the seed on rocky places, hear the word, receive it with joy. Since they have no root, they last only a short time. You know, when seed is planted in the soil, first it grows down before it grows up. Are you listening? See, when you can't see anything above, you got to believe by faith it's growing down. Even a farmer, even an unsaved farmer knows that. Because if it just suddenly shot up six feet overnight and had one inch root, it's not going to last. As soon as the sun comes out, that thing's going to dry up. We need to understand this. He said, they have no root in themselves. Listen, this is why we continue in God's Word. We put it in there. We think about it. We, we, we meditate on it. We put it down deep in us, and we water it so that what? The first the root, then the fruit. Say that with me. First the root, then the fruit. They hear it with joy, but since they have no root, when trouble or persecution comes, uh-oh, trouble or persecution comes, well, I knew it. I knew, I knew as soon as I said this, that was going to happen. I knew something bad was going to happen. Something bad always happened to us. I just can't seem to get ahead. <laughs> Come on. Trouble comes. What are you doing? You're, you're, you're uprooting the tender seed, that tender plant. You're uprooting it. Don't Listen, trouble cannot keep your seed from growing. Trouble is not there to keep your seed from growing. Trouble is there to get you to root it up. That is good preaching. Still others are like seeds sown among the thorns. They hear the word, but the worries of this life. See what Jesus said, seek first the kingdom. And then all these things that everybody's worrying about, he said, they're going to be added to you. Don't, don't worry about that. Don't worry about that. Jesus said this. He said, your father feeds all the birds of the air every day. Do you know there's not enough wealth in the world to just feed all the birds for one day? I'm talking about if you just took the money and bought bird seed or whatever you feed a bird, I guess it's bird seed. But he says every day your father is feeding them. He said they don't have a bank, they don't have a storehouse, they don't play. They, but every day your father, how much more 
will he take care of you? And all we have to do is what? Seek first this kingdom we're talking about. He said, but the worries can choke it. He said, the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth. You know what the deceitfulness of wealth is? Is that it's designed to meet all your needs and to make you happy. That's the deceitfulness of wealth. You've been in, in, in the grocery store or Walmart or somewhere and you're in line, you know, waiting to check out, you know, and they got all those magazines and stuff up there with all the beautiful people on it that are their 10th time getting out of rehab and get married for the sixth time. That ought to tell you real quick that fame and wealth and all is deceitful. It's not brought them happiness. It's brought, not brought them success in their lives and in their marriages. They don't have peace. That's the deceitfulness of wealth. The enemy says, boy, you, you, just, you, just get, uh, you get this stuff, boy, you'll be it. Boy, if you drive that, buddy, just put that arm out there, you know. They, I'm dating myself. They don't do that anymore. When trouble or persecution because of the word, they, they quickly fall away. He said, the worries of this life, deceitfulness of wealth, and the desire of other things come in and choke the word. See, those things will choke the word. Worry will choke the word. Fear will, wor- will choke the word. Getting our priorities misaligned, it chokes the word. This is why some people can come every week, can be faithful, come to church, hear the word, hear the, the seed gets planted, but then you go out and you don't do anything with your garden all week. See, I'm not responsible for your garden. I'm, I'm a sower of the seed. I'm a sower of the seed. I'm sowing seed this morning into you. And here's what you're responsible for your garden. I'm responsible for mine. I have to keep the weeds out. I have to keep the worries out, the fears out, all those things out. I have to keep my priorities straight. Because ever so often, this thing up here thinks it knows better than God. I'm sure you never deal with that. They choke it, make it unfruitful. And then he said, others like seed sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop. 30, 60, or even 100 times what was sown. This is the way the kingdom, first of all. So the kingdom is what? Operational in the church. This is the way it's designed to work. Stop waiting for the magical, you know, uh, (laughs) seed to just sprout overnight. Start operating in the kingdom. Young people, start now. Start now. Don't wait till you're 40 or 50 or whatever. Start now. Plant the seed now. And you can begin to reap that harvest. You begin to eat the fruit of it. And you plant more seed. And see, you get that cycle where you're, you're planting, it's growing, you're reaping, you're eating. You're planting, you're growing, you're reaping, you're eating. Boy, when you get into that cycle, see, then you're what? You're kingdom living. Hallelujah. The kingdom is not only operational, Jesus said, but the kingdom of God is confrontational. Confrontational to who? To the kingdom of, to the kingdom of darkness. Matthew 11. <clears throat> Listen to this scripture. Jesus is speaking. He said, from the, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven 
has been forcefully advancing, and forceful men lay hold of it. One, one translation says, the kingdom of, of God suffers or allows violence. The, the kingdom of God is confrontational, people. It's confrontational with the kingdom of darkness. Now, with people, we, we are patient. We are long-suffering, we are forgiving, we are kind, we are gentle. Are you listening to me? But with the kingdom of darkness, the satanic forces that are arrayed against us, he said, then we become what? Confrontational. The enemy will not leave as long as he's made welcome. And sometimes as Christians, sometimes because of the way we've been taught or not been taught, we are passive. We get the idea, well, you know, I'm just going to be meek and mild just like Jesus. And see, we, what about Jesus in the temple? What about Jesus casting out a devil? What about Jesus commanding, commanding blind eyes to be open, deaf ears to be open, lame limbs to be made whole? That's confrontational. We confront sin. We confront the devil. We confront sickness and disease. We confront anything that does not align with the kingdom of God. It's confrontational. And here's how it goes. The kingdom of God's confrontational conflict, someone will yield. Who's going to yield? Either I'm yielding or the devil's yielding. The kingdom of darkness is yielding or I'm yielding. In conflict, there's always a victor and a victim. Are you listening? There's, there's, no, there's no compromise. There's no halfway in between. Either I'm confronting the darkness as it comes against me or I'm allowing it to stay. Ooh, it gets quiet when you start talking about this kind of stuff, doesn't it? Look over here. Let me give you an example from the Scriptures. First Thessalonians, Apostle Paul speaking here real quickly. <clears throat> 2.18, he says, For we wanted to come to you, certainly I, Paul, did again and again, but Satan stopped us. That word stop really means to hinder or to impede. One, one connotation of that word that's translated here, stop, or it might be hindered in your Scripture, means to cut into. It's kind of like this. You ever seen a, a race, especially a, maybe in the Olympics or something, where they've got like six, seven, eight, nine, ten people in lanes running? And they're running, running, running. Well, it's like this. It's like you're running your race, and all of a sudden somebody comes out of their lane and elbows you out of the way. He said, this is what the enemy, and when he comes against us through tests, trials, troubles, accusations, whatever it may be, this is what he's trying to do, is elbow you out of the race. He wants to cut into the race you're running, and he wants you to get, begin to get discouraged, to get weary, to begin to, to, to look around instead of looking ahead. There's conflict there, and somebody is going to be the winner. Somebody's going to be the victor. Now, the Bible says that we are called to be more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. But here's the thing. You have got to, when it comes to the enemy and his 
strategies and his techniques and his fears and his doubts and all those things, you got to be bold. You say, I don't feel bold. I didn't say feel bold. I said, you got to be bold. See, you can be bold when you feel timid. Sure you can. You're just in that moment. How do you be bold? You act bold. You speak bold. If you act bold and you speak bold, pardon my English, you be bold. Don't matter how you feel. Feeling ain't got a thing in the world to do with it. Does he say we walk by feeling? Does he say without feeling it's impossible to please God? I just don't feel too spiritual. I know God must be upset with me. Well, what's feeling got to do with it? (laughs) Amen. Amen. I mean, if you were in the Arctic feeling cold, wouldn't God be just as real? (laughs) If you were at the equator in the Amazon jungle and you were burning up and perspiring, wouldn't God be just as real? What's feeling got to do with it? He said, just be bold. Take the name of Jesus, take the promise of God, and be bold with it. You cannot fight the enemy with feeling. You might as well try to punch him with your natural fist as to fight the enemy with feelings. Conflict, somebody's going to yield. Power, someone will overcome. Now, we know this. Jesus said that when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you're going to receive what? Power. That word power there is where we get our word dynamite from. I remember years ago, there was a program during the 70s. You know, and the main character on there used to use that term all the time, dynamite. That's what we've been given is dynamite, spiritual dynamite by the power of the Holy Spirit. So when the enemy comes and brings his junk, we can rise up in power and we can be the one who overcomes and not be overcome. Problem is, is we don't stand our ground. Stand your ground. No matter how you feel, no matter how weak you feel, no matter how you, you may think, oh, I don't have what it takes. I don't feel this. I don't feel that. Stand your ground because you're not in the fight alone. Greater is he who is living in you than he that is in the world. And when I'm bold and when I I act in faith, you know what happens? That helper Jesus talked about, that dynamo of God inside me, he begins to go into motion. Listen, Jesus said, I beheld Satan falling from heaven like lightning. The devil done had some of that. Are you listening to me? He's done had some of that confrontation with the Spirit of God. (laughs) You'll get him moving. We're talking about the kingdom is confrontational. It's conflict, it's power, and it's authority. Someone's going to rule. Someone is going to rule. There's going to be an authority in our lives. Now, I hate to break this to you. You know, especially in our day and age, but you know what? No one individually, you're not your own authority as much as you think you are. 
Well, I'm just my own man. I'll tell you one thing. I pulled myself up by my own bootstraps. I'm an original thinker. I think outside the box. I'm different. Listen, the Bible says that everyone who is not in the kingdom of God is subject to the the God of this world who is Satan and the influences through culture, through institutions, through the way you were raised, and all of those things are the basis of how you are ruling your life. And they're either kingdom-oriented or they're oriented by the God of this world. And you may think that you're independent and you're, you're, you're your own man, you're your own woman, and you're going to do your own thing, but i got news for you. Everybody is under authority. It's a matter of which one are we going to let rule in us. Look over in Colossians real quickly. <clears throat> Chapter 1, verse 13. For he, speaking of the Father God, he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness. Well, we must have been under the dominion of darkness or we wouldn't need rescuing. Isn't that true? <laughs> so he's rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves. Brought us into the kingdom. So we've been delivered from one rule and authority and reign, one kingdom, the kingdom of darkness. What reigns there, Jesus said, in that kingdom, it's what? It's, it's killing, death, destruction. Thievery, lying, death, isn't it? He said he's delivered us from that kingdom rule and authority and placed us under the rule and authority of his son. Now, here's the thing. Even though you're placed in that place of authority, you can still allow the enemy to rule your life. And he does it usually through this thing up here. And this stuff right here, that's why the Bible tells us we got to get our minds, what, renewed. Otherwise, even though we're in the kingdom of God, we're thinking the same old way. This stuff right here, it's not redeemed yet. Have you found that out? It wants to do stuff that God don't want it to do. That's why Paul said, he says, says, I bring my body under submission to me. In other words, the real man on the inside. You know what? You have to. I said, you have to. I said, you have to. I said, you have to. (laughs) I said that three times. I wanted you to get that. This word dominion means authority and jurisdiction. So I'm no longer under the authority and the jurisdiction of the enemy. So stop listening to him telling you who you are, what's going to happen in your life, and what God's plan is for your life. He has no jurisdiction over you anymore. Stop listening. Listen to what God says. Because why? You're in his kingdom now. You're going to obey somebody. You're going to follow somebody. So it's not only operational, it's not only confrontational, the kingdom is revelational to the world. We are called as citizens of the kingdom to be salt and light in our daily living. Salt and light. 
This is, this is primarily as we conduct our life. We live our life aligned to the kingdom of God. And so it, you don't have to necessarily preach anything. Sooner or later, as you're living your life aligned with the kingdom of God, it's going to see that you're out of sync with the kingdom of the world. Your belief system is going to come across different. Your orientation, worldview is going to come across different. What you believe is going to come across different. The way you order your life and, and deal with your time and your finances and everything, it's going to be different. That's why the world don't like you. Just face it, they're not going to like you. And it's all right. They don't have to like you. They don't have to like you. You know, I'm not talking about some, you know, being some obnoxious kind of person. I'm talking about living a genuine, sincere life of love and faith and grace under God, pleasing God above all else. You live your life, you order your life that way. That's what it is. And I mean, wherever you go, it's going to eventually it's going to come out. Wait a minute. That's not the way we talk. That's not the way we think. That's not the way we act. That's not the way we use our resources. That's not the way He says, you, he said, as soon as that happens, there's going to be a contrast there. That's the first place people ought to begin to feel like, wait a minute, what's going on here? And Jesus said this, he said, he said, he said if the world's hated me, they're going to hate you. I'm not looking for the world to love me. Come on. You know what? I'm perfectly happy having the people of God and God love me. God's grace and righteousness in our message. Look over, if you will. You're right there, Colossians 4. You were in chapter 1. Just turn over there. So as we live our life, we just live it oriented to the kingdom. See, the world won't understand you're tithing. They think you're gullible. That preacher's just getting your money. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Colossians 4. Let's look at verse 6. <clears throat> Paul is speaking here. <clears throat> he said, let your conversation, that means your words and your life, be always full of grace, seasoned with salt. Now, salt is a wonderful thing, isn't it? Man, I like, you know, because if you put salt on certain foods that are bland, all of a sudden the flavor, it just brings out the flavor in it, doesn't it? Boy, that's good too, isn't it? But if you over-season it, if you put too much salt on it, woo. I remember one time I accidentally put salt in my coffee instead of sugar. None of you have ever done that. Woo-wee! I didn't need a revelation from God about that one. I knew something wasn't right. Oh, man. Mm, you're all set for one taste and you get another one. 
See, we're, 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 we're to have the right measures of grace and salt in our conversation. That when, that sometimes it's salty. And boy, just like that cup of coffee, when I, t- I knew, boy, that's ooh, some salt in this thing. But also, too, it makes things palatable. Because we don't share things, we don't share God's Word to alienate people. We share God's Word to bring them to a place of grace. God's not willing that any should perish. You know, the Pharisees, they got upset with Jesus because He wouldn't condemn everybody like them. I mean, you know, there wasn't but about, you know, going to be two people, you know, in heaven, you know. One Pharisee and maybe one Sadducee, and the rest of them, bless you, God, you bunch of rotten, dirty, no good. Well, that's true. We were rotten, good, no, and no good. That's true. But, you know, the thing about it is they didn't have anything to help that. I mean, you know, I'm lying there bleeding after a car has run over me. I don't need you to come up and say, hey, a car just hit you. <laughs> Thanks. I didn't have a clue. No, what we need at that time is somebody to start pouring in the oil and the wine, so to speak. Somebody needs to start a healing process here. Somebody starts, needs to alleviate my pain. Somebody starts, and see, as we give them grace seasoned with salt, it brings healing to their life. We're talking about how it's designed to work. It's operational in the church, it's confrontational to the kingdom of darkness, and it's revelational to the world. We want to make sure we season our message correctly. See, some people, they're big on grace, they don't have any salt, and it's very bland. It's bland. There's got to be some salt in there. There's got to be a measure of salt in there. Then some people, they're real salty with their message. You're all going to hell. (laughs) They need to to get a little measure of grace in there. But some people, you know, I mean, you know, it's grace, not grease. People are not just going to slide in no matter what. The Bible says, repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, then you'll be saved. See, the repent is the salt part. Believe on the Lord Jesus, be saved, that's the grace part. It takes both of them to get in. Amen. All right, let me give you some action points real quickly. I've got to wind this up. <clears throat> let me encourage you this week. Begin to purposely embrace the kingdom as it is designed. Sowing, growing, cultivating, reaping. Sowing, growing, cultivating, and reaping. And remember, with every harvest you reap, seed comes with the harvest. And part of that seed is what? To sow again. Embrace it. If you're not living that way anyway, just decide, hey, I'm starting this week. Just like a farmer is purposeful in sowing his seed, you be purposeful. What kind of crop do you, you say, well, how do I know what to seed? What kind of crop do you need? Don't sow watermelons if you need apples. 
and then get all mad. Well, I don't understand why I got apples. I was wanting watermelon. Well, sow the right seed. Seeds of worry and doubt you're planting in there every week, every day. Recognize that I've been brought into the kingdom of God to confront the kingdom of darkness. Confront the kingdom of darkness. If the enemy's come against you, <clears throat> pardon me, his lies, his doubt, his fear, his discouragement, his condemnation, his guilt, all that stuff, that's the, that's the enemy. And you've got to confront it or he'll eat your lunch and pop your bag. You know what I mean? The sack lunch. We were kids going to school. We didn't have a lunch box. We had a lunch bag. Now, I didn't have a pail. I'm not that old. I had a bag. But, you know, we'd finish our lunch and we'd, you know, boys... You know how it is? Boys are boys. Man, we blow that bag up, boom, pop that thing. You know, it'd be some bully, you know. You had a good lunch. They'd, they'd take your lunch, take the best part of it, and then pop the bag right in your face. That's the way the enemy wants to do you. You've got to confront him. The Bible says if you submit yourself to God and you resist the devil, what's he going to do? He's going to beat you up. He's going to stay at your house. He said he will flee. If he's not fleeing, you're not confronting. And finally, reveal the kingdom of God to the world. Be salt and light. First of all, in our lifestyle, the way we live, the way we conduct ourselves. Isn't that right? Then as we have opportunity, that, that gray season with salt comes out of our mouth, it just, it's just a reinforcement. It's a reinforcement. You know, isn't it interesting? Jesus, as God, God in the flesh, He was holy. He was perfect. He was pure. He was without spot. He was without blemish. He was, I mean, He was all of that, yet sinners flocked to Him. Boy, that sounds strange, man. You know, a lot of times, I don't want to get around that person. I mean, you know, ooh, they make me uncomfortable. They just... Ugh. But Jesus, there was something about him, that perfection of grace and salt, of, of light with healing, that didn't repel people who ordinarily wouldn't have, you know, you wouldn't think that the pure Son of God would have anything to do with, but yet it attracted them by the thousands. It attracted them. Listen, if we're living in this correctly, you know what? People won't be repelled from us. People will be attracted. That doesn't mean everybody will believe because everybody didn't believe under Jesus' ministry. But if all we're ever seeing is a trail of people that are just, you know, broken behind us, we might need to reexamine. Maybe we need to add a little more grace with our salt. And some of us, you know, if, if you know, we're never seeing anybody brought to repentance or salvation, then we might need to look at adding some salt to our grace. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it and pray that you are blessed by God's Word. For more information about Passion Church, visit www.mypassion.church.